ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back once again to Mises Weekends. I'm Jeff Deist, and this weekend we're continuing our focus over the next couple of months of featuring some of our summer fellows here at the Mises Institute. And if you aren't familiar with the Summer Fellow Program, it's basically young academics who are working on a PhD in oftentimes econ or a related discipline who come spend the summer with us and do research and writing using our Austrian library. So if you're interested in libertarianism generally, and especially if you're interested in Austrian economics, I encourage you to remember some of these young names and get to know some of these people who may become the Rothbards and Hoppas uh, and Lou Rockwells of the future. So our specific guest this week is a very interesting young lady named Demelza Hayes. And one thing that's very interesting about Demelza is she's been a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist from really quite a young age. Her uncle was none other than the late economist Larry Seacrest, whose name you may recall as a big free banking advocate and also a uh, research fellow at the Independent Institute. So he had uh, obviously an influence on her development as she came up. And what's interesting about Demelza in particular is that she's had an expat mentality really since her teenage years. And she's followed through on that by going abroad. Uh, first as a Fulbright scholar, she spent several years in India, and uh, now she is a student finishing up a master's degree at the Toulouse School of Economics in France. And as a result of her, of her expat mentality, she really represents the new breed of libertarians. Uh, as I said, she grew up reading Rothbard. She's firmly in the anarcho-capitalist camp, and she understands that America is far from the freest place on earth. So Demelza is very serious about what she calls engaging in personal secession. And now she's preparing to become a resident of Liechtenstein and obtain a PhD there in economics. So her academic interests, particularly what she's working on this summer with us in the area of blockchain technology and decentralized currencies, these interests really fit with her personal views and her personal life, how she conducts her personal life as an expat. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, this is really uh, something that millennials have exhibited. They want to have their personal and professional lives more intermingled than those of us who are Gen X or, you know, baby boomer or World War II generations. So if you're a young person or even if you're not so young and you're interested in expatriating and you want to know what kind of job skills and mentality are required, stay tuned for what I think you'll find is a fascinating interview with Demelza Hayes, our summer fellow. Demelza Hayes, thanks so much for joining us on Meets This Weekends. Tell us a little bit about how you came to be a summer fellow with us. I know it is part of finishing your master's in econ at the Toulouse School of Economics in France. Well, thank you, uh, Jeff, for having me here as a summer fellow. I became interested in the Mises Institute through my uncle, Larry Seacrest, who actually has a, a book for sale in the Mises bookstore downstairs called Free Banking. And uh, you can buy this book with Bitcoin. And actually, I'm here to uh, continue on this legacy of discussing free banking. And I'm working specifically on Bitcoin. Well, now, so your uncle is a bit of a free banking legend. Of course, he was an econ PhD and a professor himself. And also, I believe he was at the Independent Institute. Um, so growing up, 
you had the advantage or benefit of, of his influence. And so you were able to learn about libertarianism and Austrian economics at a fairly young age. Is that fair to assume? That's fair to assume. Actually, my aunt got me interested in objectivism. My aunt, uh, Molly Seacrest, was friends with Ayn Rand, and she would give me Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged, and other literature to read at a very young age. And then when I would go out to Texas to visit them, we would spend the whole night talking about what our ideal country would be if we could create it. So I had to think about restitution, property right, enforcement, a lot of these ideas I was exposed to at a young age. Wow, not too many people have an Aunt Molly who was friends with Ayn Rand. That's, that's a difficult friendship to maintain. She was a mercurial figure, to put it mildly. I don't think she was ever excommunicated, luckily. No. Well, good for her. <laughs> We were talking off mic earlier about how your generation really represents a new cohort of young people who never really went through a bunch of permutations of being, you know, maybe conservatives or constitutionalists and then libertarians and finally arrived at anarcho-capitalism. But rather, you sort of came out of the gate and a lot of 20-somethings in your situation have come out of the gate really radicalized and anti-state from a young age. That's a great point. My father was drafted in the Vietnam War. And I grew up with a lot of animosity towards the state. And when I got the first opportunity to leave the United States, I took this opportunity and I actually took it with a grant from the State Department, the Department of State, to go to India on a critical language scholarship. The next year, I did the same. I also used government funding to leave the United States. And I went on a Fulbright scholarship to study microfinance in India. And then uh, when I got the, the feeling of freedom for the first time in my life, I decided that this was the only route that I could take. And since then, I have not lived in the United States. I've lived in France, and now I live in Liechtenstein. As a result of living abroad in India and then studying abroad in France, you mentioned that you now consider yourself no longer to be a resident or a citizen of the U.S. Tell us about how you developed a mindset of, of personal secession from the U.S. Well, I was listening to a speech by Dr. Higgs a few years ago, and he mentioned that one of his best pieces of advice was that we should just, as young people, develop skills that we that can travel with us and that we should basically escape the United States. Now he's left the United States. And I also encourage my friends that look to me for advice. I encourage them to study abroad. I encourage them to actually use government funding to get away from the government. Government funding is very easily available, especially in Florida. You can get the Pell Grant. You, you used to be able to get Fulbright scholarship. And there's tons of scholarships, the Boren, the Rhodes. There's tons of scholarships that will allow you to leave the United States, even if it's only for three months, <laughs> just to get out of the United States. At the, you know, Even if it's a short duration of time, this is what I, I tell my friends to do. And I tell them to come visit me and come stay with me. And yeah, so I definitely agree with individual secession. And that's why I really embrace Liechtenstein, because the current Fjost, Prince Hans Adam II, he tried to give the right of individual secession to the people of Liechtenstein in 2002. The parliament threatened to veto this. Therefore, they agreed that municipalities would be able to secede, you know, if they had to referendum and direct democracy. And more than half of the population agreed that the municipalities should secede, then they would have this right. And therefore, I think that this was a great step in the direction of liberty. And hopefully it will be fulfilled during my lifetime. Tell us more about Liechtenstein. How did you choose to go to school there? And, and what do you plan to focus on as you obtain your PhD in economics? Well, I chose Liechtenstein because I think that's the greenest grass available currently. It has a very long tradition of staying out of wars. 
It is in a very nice geographic region in the center part of Europe. And also the prince is committed to libertarian principles. I chose the University of Liechtenstein because that was the only way I could get a visa to live in this country. Uh, there was no other ways for me to get a visa to live there. Now now that I'm a student, I'll be able to learn German, uh, Alemannisch, the, the language spoken in Liechtenstein. And that's all that's all included with my visa. I get free Alemannisch lessons. And hopefully after five years of being there, I'll be able to get a job with a local organization who will then continue my visa. So what I'm working on for my dissertation is I'm working on questions regarding Bitcoin. And specifically what I'm looking at during my fellowship as, as an introduction to my dissertation is how the removal of an intermediary will reduce transaction cost in contracts, in securities, in a plethora of different products and services that currently require a middleman. One example is the banking industry, which I think that uh, Bitcoin will completely destroy the traditional banking system. Uh, many of the current banking functions and services can be facilitated on a peer-to-peer -peer basis without the participation of a bank. For example, recently, Patrick Byrne, the CEO of Overstock.com, announced that he was going to be using the colored coins technology to issue corporate crypto bonds for his company. So he's actually going to bypass the entire centralized system of securities that we currently have and just issue them directly to people that are interested in being a stockholder, a bondholder. Yeah, well, it's definitely a fascinating time. There's some fascinating applications for the blockchain. Above and beyond money uses, what are some other potential applications you see, for instance, in the world of private law, where we might uh, use this to cut out the middleman in terms of contracts? Yeah, there are many applications of the blockchain. One would be, for example, marriage licenses or fishing licenses or anything that requires a license, cosmetology licenses. This would no longer require the state. What we could do is we could uh, burn a Bitcoin on the blockchain. And when we burn this coin, we can write a very small message. And this message can contain information about the date, the time, the characteristics of the license, the person who's being licensed, the organization that's giving this license. We can give a lot of information about, about the license. And this will be available to be seen by everyone through this distributed public ledger and it will also be um, valid for all of time as long as this distributed public ledger is accessible. However, I do want to make a point that I noticed a lot of financial analysts and C-suite professionals discussing how the blockchain is really what the, what the innovation is here and that Bitcoin is not that important, but actually they're inseparable because for the blockchain, for transactions and blocks to be added to this distributed public ledger, there has to be an incentive for miners to... Uh, mine, if Bitcoin has no value, actually the blockchain will have no value either because no one will be there to confirm the transactions and check the validity of these transactions. No, I see what you're saying. As we wrap this up this weekend, Demelza, just tell us a little bit about your experience as a summer fellow, what it's like and the intellectual atmosphere. I've really enjoyed being a summer fellow. I've had wonderful talks about topics that I didn't really have a lot of experience with before coming here that are related to Austrian economics, especially methodology. So one of the fellows here, Wukish from Poland, has taught me a lot about the debate between maybe Rothbard and Mises on methodology. And I've been really enjoyed discussing with all of the fellows about their topics that they are experts on. Ladies and gentlemen, I only wonder how many young people 
like Demelza, bright young people like her are headed for the exits in America. Have a great weekend in Demelza Hayes. Thank you so much for your time.